Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. I forget maybe I forget what Liverpool midfielder it is that he leaves for dead but and then does this insane pass from about 50 yards out and curls it right into it's Crespo isn't it uh, or is it Shevchenko I think it's Crespo uh, it's definitely pass, not Shevchenko it was Crespo and then yeah. just chips it over and then every time I watch that I, I, I feel a little bit warm inside okay yeah I, I that was recorded yeah, no, 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 we're recording now. Also, I this is something for another podcast because we don't have as much time today. But I feel like Kaká is criminally underrated as a player. He is. Criminally underrated. Yeah. Benny Kulhoff yeah. doesn't agree with me. Oh, he's wrong. Yeah, he's a, he is wrong and he's a jerk. Kaká, until 2010, he was probably one of the best players in the world with no oh, discussion. But wow. from 2010... The, uh, he, we, we watched his decrease. What could have happened in 2010 that made Cacago? No, Cacago no, came to Madrid one year before in 2009. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Shall we crack on with the podcast then? Crack on. Crack on. Okay. Go ahead. Okay, thanks, Alejandro. Joining me, Ian McCourt, on today's One Football Podcast is Alejandro de la Cruz Diago Gonzalez. Hi. Wow. Hayoni Belzagueda. Hi. And Lewis Ambrose. Hello. Now, Lewis, I love you as much as the next man, but your name, in comparison to these two... It's rubbish, isn't it? Is rubbish. Yeah. Because no. you didn't say the middle name. I don't know his middle name. Uh, let's Me keep neither. it at that. We'll keep it at that? Oh. Um, I know the rest of the... Yeah, I, know I, know the rest, I know Phil's and I know... I think I know Dan's and Alex's. I know Daniel's. But I... We'll maybe reveal that in another anyway. podcast. I don't know I, But at least... Growing up in England, I didn't... Nobody else had my name. So that was at least mm. something. Like if you'd like... The Ambrose thing is cool, Steve I'll give you that. or something. Then <laughs> or some, like everybody's called Smith, aren't they? Like, <laughs> nobody else had my name, so... But Alejandro de la Cruz, Diego Gonzalez, that's, that's a mouthful. <laughs> that has a long story behind. Maybe one day. Maybe, maybe would, you, one day. would you like to... Imagine being a kid, you have to learn your name and learn how to write the name. Oh, God. If your name was that long. What do you do for your signature? Just my cross. Okay. <laughs> it's quicker. Okay, so a couple of thank yous to start off this week's show. Thanks to Dan Burke for keeping it locked down in my absence. Uh, he told you two weeks ago that we'd finished up for the summer. Well, we'd really just finished up for this season because there's loads to cover this summer. World Cup, Copa America. And by the time all of that is over, it'll almost be time for this season. It's really not that far away, people. God. Also, thank you to you, dear listener, upon my return. I was greeted with... 1,850 emails, many of which were just rubbish. But a lot of them were emails from you with questions, which is lovely to see. So please keep, please keep them coming in. We, truly, we really do appreciate them. If you don't know already, the address to do so is podcast at onefootball.com. And hey, if you've time to hit the five-star button or review the podcast whenever you listen, we'd appreciate that too. And finally, a thanks to these three people who have dragged their out of their beds to record today's podcast at 8 a.m. Berlin time. They're the real heroes. Yeah. The real heroes. Yeah. So the, despite the early hour, they are super enthusiastic about the Women's World Cup. The group stages are done. We had the final game last night. What have we learned so far? Who'd like to kick this off? Uh, yeah, Lewis, go for it. Um, I, I just think the 
the best thing is that the tournament is really competitive. Obviously, USA Thailand kind of sticks out, but um, except for that, Thailand have competed in their other two games, and every other game has been really competitive. There aren't, I think, like in tournaments before, and lesser nations aren't so developed, and then they lose every game convincingly. And I don't think that's happened this World Cup. You had South Africa play against Spain, and really, really unfortunate to lose. Cameroon have qualified for the for the next stage. Chile played their first World Cup and won a game. Scotland played their first World Cup and would well, I'm yeah. sure we're, we're Scotland. Later, but yeah. poor Scotland. Um but yeah, I think it's been really really impressive how actually even through the group stage which you don't get at tournaments usually there's been no team that just looks completely out of the competition from the second they kick off. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I also like to add another thing. Oops. No, no, go on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also like to add another thing, VAR. Oh. Uh, last, last year we saw it was going to change football for a while. And on this Women's World Cup we are seeing VAR is working so properly. Uh, almost no big mistakes. Only one controversial action. Which one was that? I think it was in the on the game. Apart of the, uh, I think they were two. One of the Argentina game on the last Argentina game. Oh, with the penalty. Yeah, with the penalty. Yeah. There was um there was contr- con- controversy as you say, but I think it's still a technology that is making yeah, of the the game get better. And that one with in Argentina's game, it was because it had to be repeated, because during a penalty the keeper just when forward and when she gets the ball so she stopped the penalty she gets the ball she's really like 50 centimeters away from the line and VAR reviewed it and told the referee and she made it repeated and the Premier League said in a statement last night that they were not gonna take that VAR rule for next season Mm -hmm. so the VAR was not gonna review that particular thing but I think it was totally fair because it made the game fair. Of course. I, 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 I've been like, we've spoken so much, way too much about VAR on oh, this yeah. on this podcast the last months, and I've generally been in favour of it. But this World Cup is making me hate it so much. Oh. Um, and especially the penalty. Penalties are so hard for the goalkeeper, and now suddenly we're punishing because somebody's one foot is is just in front of the line and the other foot is in the air but on the line like no, a penalty totally the, the Scotland not. one when totally the when the ball was kicked like it's not when the ball reaches her and how far she is in front of the line then it's when the ball is kicked and she's basically she's like two inches off the line when the ball is kicked and it's not the only one it happened as well for uh, in Jamaica Italy it happened to in um, in the France game against Nigeria where these penalties are being missed or saved and the the goalkeeper it's so hard to save a penalty and you're making it even harder for a go- if a goalkeeper has to wait for the split second the ball is kicked then we're never going to see a penalty saved ever again but instead of jumping forward you can jump to the sides but I totally get you I totally get that it's super but, difficult but, but, for but the you keeper. have to if you have and to you do it before help. if you can't come forward before the ball is kicked then you're already jumping to one side before they even kick the ball and then three quarters of the goal are left open yeah, yeah, yeah. but this is in this women's world cup we are seeing that the goalkeepers have improved a lot yeah. compared to four years ago mm-hmm. is for example the case of uh, Tiana Endler the goalkeeper from Chile probably we, we are watching we were watching one of the best goalkeepers of the tournament well she was already awarded with the with the best goalkeeper award in the 
uh, in the Ligue 1 in yeah. France for with PSG. So the, she was already she came in strong. The Argentinian goalkeeper whose name escapes her. Yeah. yeah, she's been brilliant too. Yeah, she's been. She's strong. my. She's. I mean, Argentina. I don't. I'm gonna admit it right here on air. Argentina are my team for the World Cup. Or where my team for the no World Cup? I'm going with Australia. I'm going with Australia in the next from now on. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed. She, she's been great so far. Really good. Yeah, all the Argentinian team has been a, a great surprise. We have seen a team that they fight. They don't don't no matter what the team that is in front. We we was against England. The, uh, the coach Carlos Borrello said we have our our our, our people uh, clear, our things clear. We need to uh, try to defend as as much as as we can. As, as best as we can and the result is there against Japan nil-nil on one of the super performances of the Argentinian team only against England a uh, wonderful from the English English striker I don't, mm-hmm. I don't remember the name the cross from Beth Mead the yeah. perfect cross for mm-hmm. Jodie Taylor yeah, yeah Jodie Taylor she, she was all, the only moment when Argentina was, a, was able to uh, lose and then against Scotland, against after a, a three 0 against them in the last ah, what a comeback! Minutes, comeback, pure a pure demonstration. What means to wear the Albi Celeste? Yeah, I really enjoyed their tactics against England. That they were just so cynical and time wasting and getting stuck in from like literally the very start. Billardism. Yeah, it's like like the old. I mean, Salvador Bilardo. We were gonna we were gonna talk about them a little bit later, but we can we can jump into them right now. They, they have a pretty incredible backstory too, don't they? Yeah. Did you wanna you wanna tell it? Yeah, well, basically, both Argentina and Chile they didn't have the backup of the federation, so in Chile's case, the players starting a labor's union in 2016 to demand some money, to demand getting you know getting that. Uh, Fair treatment, a basically. Fair treatment, yeah. like a basic treatment, basically. Mm-hmm. And they got together and they demanded that they got some money. And before that, they were completely kicked out of the FIFA ranking. So they knew about this because of the newspaper. They read it. It's not like they even got informed. It wasn't. There was a meeting. Yeah. They read it in the newspaper. Everything about it was really, really, really bad. So they. They got together, they did this labor um, labor union, mm-hmm. and they demanded fair treatment, and they went ahead, and now both teams are in the World Cup, and it's incredible, and both teams were so close to reach the, uh, to go further in the group stages, but they... Because they were the final, they were the two teams that didn't go through as uh, third as place finishes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean the Argentine team had to sleep on buses, going to matches, and everything like that, and they've still yeah, yeah. They've still got. And Chile are. just yeah, Chile was tragic against Thailand last night. I missed this game. So Chile yeah. had to win three 0 Thailand um, couldn't score. Like so, they were winning two zero. So Chile were about to make it. They just needed one goal to qualify and make history in their first World Cup. Mm. In the 84th minute, they get a penalty. And now, at this point, I, I'm going to lose it. And she, cre- she hits the crossbar. And the penalty is missed, obviously. And oh, the last God. six minutes were just impossible because obviously... They just collapsed. They, were, they just they, collapsed. They and men, then they, they mentally, mentally, it was, it was over. It was over. And they knew it. But it was that crossbar. 
That's hard. Minute 86th from minute and, and you miss a penalty. Really harsh. No, but also the story of Argentina has another curious thing that, for example, in when in 2016, when the Argentinian FA uh, was was uh, being under the last moments of Grondona, uh, the former administration decided to fall uh, to uh, dissolve the women's national team, mm. even they have competed in two World Cups previously, uh, and also uh, uh, after the. Chiqui Tapia arrives on the Argentinian FA. They retake the team, but for example, that is after this, it's the story of the travel to Uruguay on the on the bus to sleep sleep in the bus, go down, play, and come back to Argentina on the bus. And the moment the key moment is in the, in the last Copa America uh, before the first game. They when they were posing for the for the team photo together, they did the gesture that Riquelme used to do to celebrate. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah! The hands behind with the ears. The, the hands behind the ears, and they say we want to be listened. And they were asking to the Argentinian FA to equal treatment, to equal resources to prepare to prepare the teams. Uh, don't uh, stop these uh, third world trips to other countries. And and from that uh, everything improved. For example, in the in the playoff in playoff against Panama. Uh, all the Argentinian, all, all the uh, AFA was behind them, and uh, even Chiqui Tapia traveled with them and supported them in all the games. Basically, so, changed, uh, yeah. changed, but entirely. he had to be there, and the girls had to come up, and these women had to make their voices heard as always. But they were, it was nothing like they had no money, nothing whatsoever. So, yeah. Um, so we mentioned Argentina as one of the teams that have impressed us so far. Any, anybody else want to bring up another team, Hayoni, maybe? Or a player? You can you can name a player. You can even give a, a favorite moment. My I'm, favorite I'm open moment. Here. Well, not favorite, but I think a moment we have to talk about at the beginning is uh, Mar- Marta making oh. history. I think it's it's amazing and it's for those who missed out. G- give a quick explanation. Though. Yeah, so Marta just reached the is the top goal scorer mm-hmm. in the competition. I think she was uh, tied with uh, Klose. Yes, that is right. German. Yep. One um, behind. Coming into the competition, one behind. Exactly. With 16 goals and then she scored 16 and 17th goal. That's ridiculous, isn't it? 17 goals in a World Cup. It's That's insane. insane. It's insane. Gosh. And we have so And she's many... not even fully fit. And Yeah, exactly. And yeah. she didn't play the first game either. Mm. It's insane. Uh, Thailand scoring a goal. Come on, people. It gave us all the feels. You didn't give anybody else a chance to name a moment. Oh, sorry. Okay, yeah. Thailand yeah. scoring a goal. It was great. <laughs> yeah, it that was, was super nice. Nice. Like after the first result they had and then 3-0 uh, down against Sweden and then to see the celebrations from scoring one goal, that was that was really amazing. Yeah. yeah. And again, another amazing story behind Thailand that they're employed by... They're basically employed in a great big insurance company. Yeah, exactly. And the woman behind it, um, I forget her name. The team manager. The team manager, exactly. Yeah. She was the one that the cameras were trying yeah. to look for because mm-hmm. she is the a businesswoman that took on the task to give the money, the money they didn't have. As and she's the one that employs them. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a recurring story. Mm-hmm. They don't have money, obviously, or resources. But uh, she decided to give them the money, give them the chance, and now they are at a World Cup as well. And they scored that first goal, and it was all. They ended up losing that game five one. But who's counting? Totally emotional. And it was really emotional. And 
Incredible. Where do we stand on the USA celebration 13-0 Thailand? I I find it difficult to have the energy to be bothered. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, like... Because some people get very annoyed yeah, by Yeah, I saw... Like, people are scoring goals at World Cups. Celebrate. Don't, don't just put your hands up and go, nah, another one. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like... Uh, I think it's totally fair. I mean, you are at a World Cup. This is yeah. the biggest tournament you are going to be in your life. You keep scoring goals. You are going to celebrate. Jill Alice, the coach, said that it's important, it's a good feeling, and it's a boost of confidence. So, And that's personified in the US team as well. Imagine the, you've, the worked, you've worked your entire life to play at a World Cup. You come off the bench and it's already 8 or 9-0. Yeah. Then you get a goal at a World Cup, but you're not allowed to celebrate your moment because the score is already 8-0. And this oh, is, not about this making, is nonsense. Yeah. And this is not about making Thailand feel bad at all no, or making no. fun of them. Not mm-hmm. at all. It's about how great they are doing, how great football they're playing. Also, the, the wider thing is, too, that these players have families and it's amazing for their families to see, you know, their, their daughter go to a World Cup and score a goal. Of course you want to celebrate. Yeah. You're in the very, very small minority of people in this world who've scored a World Cup goal. Yeah, exactly. Go out and Everyone celebrate. Everyone wants to celebrate a one in the World Cup. Yeah. is the, the, the dream of a footballer to, to score a goal and celebrate it. Okay, it's 13-0, but it's understandable and it's uh, something that we can... We can allow and we and we must accept. The American team have fallen into that villain role, haven't they? They usually do, right? It's America. <laughs> Things of being the best team in the world. I yeah. Mean, we have to understand the backstory of this. Because the, they're under a lot of pressure. They are under a lot of pressure. They have been there have been seven World Cups since nineteen ninety one and the US team has always been in the podium they have mm-hmm. won it three times the mm-hmm. only team that has done that they've been second I think once and then third three times and it's been incredible they've always been there so of course they are the villain they are the team to beat they are the team that have had those resources and have been working their asses off since the beginning of of the, this mm-hmm. World Cup so I think now it just personifies that team to be that strength that mentality that discipline as well so and there's a lot of pressure too given the contract situation and then you know the negotiations that they were going through and there was talk of lack of diversity within the team whether that really reflects America so there's a huge huge amount of pressure on them yeah and also they for some they have also a lawsuit against the US soccer firm. yeah this is yeah. yeah this is the one I'm talking about yeah sorry exactly. this is what the I mean yeah. that uh, the U.S. Soccer Federation needs to treat them better because uh, if we compare the both performances of both teams, men and women, the women team uh, really uh, overcomes the the team of the the men's team and it, everywhere. Yeah, exactly. And it's I, don't, the, I don't mind in Copa Oro in World Cups. Yeah. Yeah. The, okay, so America. Our, our, no, we'll, we'll get to favourites a little bit later on. Um, if that's all been the teams and players that have impressed us, who's let us down so far? Scotland, I'm looking in your direction. I don't, I don't, I really, I think it comes back to what I said right at the, the top of the podcast. I don't think anybody's like let anyone down, to be honest. Yeah, I think, positive Lewis here. Well, okay. Scotland, yeah, okay. So going 3 0 up and losing is obviously horrific Scotland were playing at their first ever World Cup the men haven't played at a World Cup since 1998 the men haven't played <laughs> a tournament since 1998 suddenly Scotland are at a World Cup and if a last second penalty 
is not retaken there through into the knockout stages. So I don't think you can call that no. disappointing. They should be so proud of even getting there in the first place and having that like within their grasp. And okay. I think that's the message that's come out of Scotland. I'm, and so- like I I'm say, sorry, Scotland. Like the other the other countries, Chile, Nigeria, like they've narrowly missed out. I think nobody even expected that from them. So, what about Brazil? Brazil have been a bit yeah, of a letdown, maybe. Say, yeah. Maybe not disappointing, but surprising. Brazil and Australia too. Canada, perhaps. I saw their game against Netherlands, yeah. and it was a good wasn't. Game. It wasn't amazing. They haven't been... I mean, Sinclair scored. You mean their performance wasn't amazing? Their performance, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sinclair but, scored. It wasn't... Yeah. A, but it wasn't... Like, their game wasn't there. Their head is wasn't there. But they were playing against the European champion. And mm. Yeah, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, it's understandable that, okay, when you're playing against the European champion, it's... You, you're gonna feel in a in the best mood, or you can have more mistakes. But for example, for me, it was Australia, one of the surprises. Uh, but let's say put it uh, between. But they finished top of their group, didn't they? Uh, no, uh, they Italy. Top? Oh, Italy. Italy. Sorry, yes, Italy yes, finished yeah. top of the group. Australia probably because uh, they uh, we were expecting a bit more of the Matildas, mm. and. Okay, they were in the group of that, and Italy has done a superb mm-hmm. performance in this World Cup. Uh, coming back to a World Cup, Women's World Cup, I think they were 20 years, uh, 20, 22 years after. Yeah. Really? 22 uh, years? No, 20 years after, because okay. the last one was in 1999. They yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Women's World Cup in 1999. Uh, but uh, but uh, Italy has done a superb performance. And Australia was a, a little bit. We were expecting a bit more of them. Okay. I think there's a few, a few countries that like the sort of leading nations of women's football. Germany kind of in transition. Now we have like a big footballing nation, Spain, growing in women's football as well. And I think what we've seen so far isn't like an, no upsets for those teams. England, I think you can put in that category as well. But they're just sort of like they've done what they had to do. They haven't been like really impressive but they've just sort of got the results that they had to get to get out of the group stage well that's what I had a question here Where have you been impressed by Phil Neville's side uh, I think England I think the most impressive thing and if anyone is interested in Phil Neville's side then watching the Lionesses documentary that was on BBC right before the tournament is like I would say a must watch um I think the most impressive thing is how much he values everybody in the squad. There's been some criticism, a little bit of criticism with so much rotation, Mm. even swap the goalkeepers for for the game against Argentina. But I think it's, he's just sending this message and he sent it during the She Believes Cup as well, that every single player is trusted and is valuable. And he's in a difficult position as well. He's, you know, I think the, the guidelines that have been set out means as a male manager he can only be in the dressing room for like four minutes during half time a lot of the time before the game he can't be in the dressing room and the most impressive thing I think is just how cohesive everything seems to be how much he trusts all of the players and their input the rest of his staff as well I think you can see there's a, there's a strong connection there with the players too Definitely. we just saw after the oh, what game was it when they after it was the anniversary of Fran Kirby's um, mother's death I can't remember what the game was but they, they were all yeah. he was looking at you can see that it's there yeah I think yeah. Definitely. You can see that there is that connection between him and all the players as well. I think mm. he's taken a really big interest in not just their seasons with their clubs, but actually their lives as well. It's the message that's coming out of the England camp. Um, 
I don't think we've seen England really perform like they can yet. But they, no, but the performance against Argentina was good. They played well against yeah. Argentina. They played well against Japan as well. But I think it will be when when they get through a little bit later and they have to rise to the occasion and then we'll see what they're made of. Okay. Do you agree with the comparison that BBC said that Phil Neville could become like Alex Ferguson? Let's not get carried yeah. away. I mean, Alex Ferguson, come on. But it, it, there was there was a couple of articles no, no, about there was a couple the, of articles. The, the article of Alex Ferguson for me was I was shocked and saying, yeah. okay, Phil Neville is he's been a legend of Man United, but he's starting as a, as a coach. Don't yeah. put him too much pressure. Everton legend too. Let's not forget. Uh, maybe one of the more disappointing aspects is the absence of Ada Hegerberg, Ioni. Yeah, I think. I think it's not disappointing because she's doing it for a cause mm. and it's really... I mean in a footballing sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Mm. It's like missing the best player of the tournament. So obviously disappointing. Norway has been feeling it. They have really good players to, to, to take it from there. But I think that what she has done, so just to, to remind people, uh, she just won three consecutive Champions League titles with Lyon she was the best player the f first best play, uh, f uh, female football player and she just said and this was back in 2017 she just said that she was not going to compete in the World Cup because the Norwegian Federation was not taking care of them basically what we were talking it's it's a recurrent issue we have mm. in women's football They don't have the same uh, opportunities. They don't have the same money. So Even the same equipment and stuff like that. The, the lads were getting like a oh, truckload of boots. Trainings, and, you know, training she, they were given like one or training something facilities, like that. Training facilities. Just mm. as basic and simple as that is not equal. So she said she was not going to participate back in the day. Um, she talked to the Norwegian Federation. They they said they were going to fix some issues. They, they said they were going to get paid uh, equally. And she still said that this was not going to happen, that she was not going to participate because she thinks that it's not, it's not okay what is, yeah. what's happening here. Also, uh, in this issue, uh, Martin Odegaard, a Real, a, a Real Madrid oh, player on loan, yeah. he said some disgusting words to Ada Hegelberg saying that yeah. she had better ways to better ways to protest than going to a World Cup. Uh, uh, from my point of view, okay, Martin Odegaard is 20 years old. And he should know better. He, he, should, he should maybe just sh uh, share, share a little up before speaking to Ada Hegelberg. Even worse than that, like Heather O'Reilly, an America legend, said live on Fox that, yeah. it, that it wasn't that it's like you know yeah. taking yourself as too important I think, that I think they I think they even said on the live Fox coverage that oh, one person can't change that one person's never changed anything I, I heard and that, that is debate, yeah. just so and it's absurd the, the coverage of Fox Sports sometimes is, is, is being so disgusting also in this World Cup I'm shocked Fox Sports being just while we're on the sort of equality issue as well and we talked about Marta earlier but I don't know if you've all seen what she's wearing on her boots oh, they're great The boots. She, um, so about a year ago, her sponsorship deal wore out, and basically the offers she was getting from unnamed 
various sports brands. I think we can guess what they all are. We know who you are. We're not even close to the sort of money the men make. So she said, okay, I'm not going to wear any of you at the World Cup. Mm. And instead, she's wearing a, a gender equality symbol on her boots. And she pointed to it after scoring her yeah. first goal of the yeah. time. And they're all blacked out too. Yeah. I love all black boots. Mm-hmm. That yeah, should come back. That should looks, be a thing. All black boots should be a yeah. thing again. I miss them. Alejandro, Spain. Oh. <laughs> What were you thinking before the tournament, and what are you thinking now? I think we been from, pretty good, no? From the from two years ago, from the last Euro to this point, we have advanced very few. We have advanced in other fields. I mean, for example, now uh, the promotion of women's football in Spain has become so much bigger. The coverage has become so much better. Uh, I think in this in this tournament, the coverage of the Women's World Cup has been awesome in Spain. So much radios, press, TVs, they are all uh, with the national team. But in terms of play, uh, Jorge Bill style, we have advanced very few because we are still uh, making the mistakes that made us out on the last Euro on, 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 on a penalty shootout against Austria. Yeah. It's not. It's not looking good in the next round for you either, is it? Really? It's really not looking o- good. Only a miracle for me. Can. Spain is playing um, the what? USA next. Yeah, I'll, I'll give the, the the round of sixteen draw in full. It's Norway, Australia, England, Cameroon, France, Brazil, Spain, USA, Italy, China, Japan, Netherlands, Germany, Nigeria. So the games to watch out for there, people. I'm guessing France, Brazil, <laughs> right? Spain USA also. Spain, USA. It can be also a very, a very nice game for the growth of the of the women's women's football in Spain. That's what I think we were, I was saying before that the coverage has been better and now that Spain plays against the biggest the biggest uh, powerhouse in the world of women's football, it can be a, the, the the definitive boost for for Spanish women's football. And it, it's difficult, but now I'm starting to be a, a bit optimist. And if Spain wins, that can be. I have a feeling that optimism is going to be deflated very yeah. soon. Yeah, yeah. Me too. I'm, I'm looking forward to Japan Netherlands as well. I think oh, yeah. ne- Netherlands they won the Euros two years ago, um, but they've been quite inconsistent in the lot over the last two years, even in qualifying for the World Cup. Um, but there are so many fantastic players. Fans too, amazing. Yeah, the fans have been unbelievable. Um, and I'm just kind of waiting for everything to click. Like Viviane Miedema scored she's she's 22. She scored 60 international goals. She's mm. at this tournament become the all-time goal scorer for the Netherlands. And but Just things, the 60 at 22. Yeah, and well, she and she's, she broke the Women's Super League record for goals in a season last year. I think she scored 30-odd goals in all competitions for Arsenal, but 22 in 20 games in the league she's insane and yeah and she's not just a striker either she and in the as I say the women's super league she scored a record number of goals last season she also created the most chances in the league so this is really a world class player Mm -hmm. a world class complete striker and it's just sort of waiting for her to explode in this tournament like yesterday against um in the game against New Zealand, uh, sorry, against Canada, there were a couple of moments that almost came together. There was a brilliant mm. turn in the box, but she ended up hitting the post. And you just think if she really gets a gets the bit between her teeth, then she's just going to rip someone apart. I fancy Netherlands as a sort of dark horse for it all. Yeah, I named them as my 
sort of oh, dark horse before oh, okay, the tournament started. Yeah. So, oh, right. maybe that's why I want to see them do well. Uh, we, Hayoni has to actually go do some real work, unlike the rest of us, quite soon. So we're going to have to <laughs> wrap wrap it up. Let's we'll go through each of the games, and you guys can just tell me who you think is going to win. So Norway, Australia. Nobody wants to take this on. Norway. I say Norway because Australia uh, has disappointed me and I think I see Norway a bit a bit stronger, not so much, but a bit stronger than Australia. And I think Norway can advance to the quarterfinals. Okay. England, Cameroon? England. Obviously. France, Brazil. Hi, only yeah. France. What? Yeah. 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 Totally. I agree Definitely. with her. <laughs> you don't think Brazil are going to come roaring back into form? I think it's... Marta firing them to victory? I think Marta Formiga. I mean, after... Is it seven. seven World Cups? She has been there since 1991. There are 150 players at the World Cup that weren't born when she kicked a ball in the World Cup for the first time. You are joking. It's no. ins- yeah, it's insane. So Brazil has that. That's and the most amazing thing I've ever yeah. heard in my life. <laughs> wow. But France is gonna mm-hmm. France is gonna bring it home. Yeah. Wow. Well, they've got home support, of course. Exactly. Spain, USA. With the heart. Come on, Alejandro, give me your brain. Don't give me their heart answer. Give me your brain answer. Resign. With the brain, USA. But with the heart, I'll say Spain can can fight them and even. Do you want to? I'd actually. Can you give me a score for this one? Give me a heart score. A heart score. Winning one nil on the over on the extra time. Winning one all. <laughs> Italy, China. Italy, Italy. Okay. They are very strong in this World Cup, and they are probably the biggest surprise for me. Okay, Japan, Netherlands. My maybe Netherlands is my new team. Maybe I abandon Australia. Uh, I, uh, Alejandro has convinced me. Me too. Netherlands because they are uh, they are the European champion. They have uh, Bibian Miedema that is in a in a tremendous state of shape, and also they have Lieke Martens. So I go for for the Netherlands. But we have to watch out for that game as well. Mm-hmm. Because Japan, is that your, Japan yeah. are really strong. They were mm-hmm. second in the last World Cup and I think they've been consistently been there. So it's going to be really a clash. So France-Brazil, obviously the standout game for the entire round of 16, I think. The, the one after that, you reckon, Japan-Netherlands? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay, lovely. Germany-Nigeria, Lewis? Germany. Yeah, they're pretty strong. This is a classic Germany tournament. They've not looked very impressive, but then sort of comfortably won every <laughs> single game. It's just exactly classic. the stereotype of Germany at a tournament. Garolina well, and what again? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's all from us today. My thanks to Hayoni, Alejandro and Lewis. And especially for... Co- oh, wait, you've got one more point you want to make? Sweden, Canada. <gasps> oh, I forgot Sweden, Canada. How the hell did I forget that? Silly me, go on. I guess... Um, one, two, three. yeah. Uh, I think it's a difficult one as well, but... Um, Sweden, I think Sweden, right? I think Sweden, Sweden are going to be stronger. Yeah. How did I forget Sweden, Canada? I like both of those nations equally. <laughs> so I don't know how I left them off. This is what happens when you start at 8 a.m. That is. Thank you, Lewis, for coming to my rescue right there. <laughs> uh, so that is all from us today. My thanks to Hayoni, Alejandro, and Lewis. So we will be back next week on Wednesday to review the round of 16 and look forward to the rest of the tournament. And maybe we might be able to cram in some Copa America stuff then as well. Colombia. <laughs> and uh, that hammers, dude. He's okay. Isn't he? <laughs> in the meantime, you can listen to the back catalogue on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast hit. And if you want to get in touch, the address to do so is podcast.onefootball.com. Mm-hmm.